I'm Pastor Diana, if I didn't say that at the beginning. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Naperville Covenant, and I have the privilege of opening up the Word with you this morning. We're going to look at um, Matthew chapters 3 and 4 in, as a way of understanding Lent. So I'm going to open us in a word of prayer, and then we'll get moving. God, we do ask that you would go before us right now, that you would come behind us, and that we would find ourselves right in the midst of you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Now the word Lent is not in the Bible, and we are not Catholic. So you're thinking, why are we talking about this, right? Well, actually, all of Christendom does the church Christian calendar, and Lent just happens to be one of those things. Now, we, we kind of associate uh, Lent with Catholics. I think it's mainly because of that whole don't eat meat on Friday thing. Um, that, that I think that's why we've done that to ourselves. But the reality is the Christian calendar was created so that we could stay together as a Christian community no matter what denomination we are. It is so that we can acknowledge every single year that we are following Jesus' whole life. His birth is on Christmas, his death and resurrection is the season of Easter. Okay, good, good, good. But somehow we decide that that Lent is Catholic. It's weird, isn't it? But it's actually part of the whole of seeing Jesus' life as a whole. We get to prepare for his death and resurrection and how much it actually means to us. Lent is very similar, actually, to Advent, and we're kind of okay with Advent not being specifically only for the Catholics, right? So I guess um, we can engage with Lent as well. I don't want you to think I'm anti-Catholic here. I just you know, want to communicate to all of us who might be thinking, she's going Catholic on us. I did grow up in an Episcopal church. It's very close. So that's you know, some of my roots. But the word Lent comes from an Anglo-Saxon word referring to the lengthening of days as we move from winter to spring. Ah, right? I am ready. It was cold out this morning. But this is also how we can view the Lenten season. We can see ourselves moving from the darkness into the light of Christ. So for those of you who are new to the covenant or maybe just don't pay attention, um, now you wouldn't necessarily know this. We actually have a book that is called the book, the covenant book of worship. And this actually helps Pastor Scott, myself, and Kayla do worship. There's all sorts of things in here, marriages, funerals, all sorts of things in this book of worship. It's also where we get our communion service from as well. But it also has the Christian calendar in that. And most denominations have a book like this. It's not the Bible. There are some scriptures inside of this, but it's not the Bible. But each denomination has one so that we can stay united as the Christian church. The calendar was, rec- was created directly from the scriptures, but we won't necessarily find the calendar in the scriptures. Does that make sense? It's a little confusing. Some of it you will see yearly celebrated 
in the Bible. Some of it you will not. So some of it we have created so that we can stay celebrating Christ's life all all year round. Our covenant book of worship says that during the Lent season, the church proclaims, remembers, and responds in gratitude and faith to Christ's atoning death. Today, according to the Christian calendar, it's actually Transfiguration Sunday. So you're like, why are we looking at something else? Here's why. This is where we could get confused. The transfiguration happens right before Christ is about to die. He tells his friends, I'm about to die. And then he takes them up, um, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John up. And they get to be a part of this amazing experience. And it's all because he's just told them really bad news. I'm going to die. But they need to know there's something that's beyond death. So this is where we can get confused about Lent. Because Lent is taking us back in time a couple of years, right before Christ goes into his public ministry. Okay, so I want to just, that's why we're talking about the calendar so that you get all of this. Because some people are like, nope, not accurate. Well, we celebrate his birth and his death in the same year as well. They're just not as close together so we don't get confused. <laughs> Three times in the Gospels, each one uh, talks about the story where Christ is tempted in the desert. Mark is really fast. He's like, two verses, that's all it takes. Matthew takes 11 and Mark, or Matthew, Mark, Luke takes 13 verses. So here's what Mark says. At once the Spirit sent him out to the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended to him. End of story. We like Mark a lot. <laughs> it's brief. This story takes place a few years prior to Christ's death. One of the things that we are doing in Lent is mirroring this time where Christ is in the wilderness, where he's fasting. He's resisting temptation. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil right after he was baptized. That's why I wanted to talk about chapter 3 and chapter 4. This is before he started his public ministry. John the Baptist's main role was to prepare everyone else that Jesus was coming. So he's, he's preparing the way um, for the Lord. There's John the Baptist. And I wanted to give us a little bit of time before Lent starts. Lent starts when? Wednesday. I, I talked to my friend yesterday, and she thought it had already started because I had put something uh, on my version. Queue of, of devotionals, and she thought it had already started. It starts Wednesday. But I wanted to give you a little bit of time to think about how you wanted to spend Lent. I hear almost every Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, oh, I would have done that, but I ate sugar for breakfast, right? Oh, I would have done that, but I don't have time to read that or order that book, right? Or it's like we're surprised by Ash Wednesday every year. So I thought, I'll give them three-day lead time. I can think about it. Process. What do I want to do? It's important that we prepare ourselves for two reasons. We're, pre- we're preparing our hearts to acknowledge the death and resurrection of Christ. The second thing is, we're preparing to live into our own 
ministry calling that God has for us. It's how we're mirroring what's happening in the scriptures. We can do this through repentance, John the Baptist talks about, fasting, and adding. You're already like, I'm out. I'm too busy, right? Hear me out. Repentance. John the Baptist, before Christ was baptized, was preaching on repentance. This is what he said, Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus has come near. If we don't think we need to repent, then we're saying that we don't need Jesus' work on the cross. The reason that Christ went to the cross is because we've sinned and we're separated from God. 1 John 1, 8 8 through 10 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. If we say we are without sin, we are saying that we don't need Jesus. And if we're saying that we don't need Jesus, there's no reason we should be sitting in this room. And there's no reason that we should partake in communion to remind us of what he's done on the cross for us. We've all sinned. We all fall short. It's not really great news. But there is good news, and it is in Jesus Christ. We can prepare for Lent, acknowledging our sin, so that it actually has impact when Easter comes. When we prepare for communion today, we'll say a prayer that we oftentimes say right before communion. The rhythm of communion is much like the rhythm of Lent. We prepare ourselves for communion. We are preparing our hearts to accept that profound gift of the resurrection. On Easter. The 40 days of Lent encourages us to slow down and process things as we need the things that we need to repent. Taking taking time to acknowledge the places of sin and darkness in our lives brings us to a place where the resurrection has an impact. If we come with the posture that we have sinned, we appreciate what God has done all the more. The words that we prepare ourselves for communion are, we confess that we have sinned against you in what? Yes, what we have done and left undone. Not super fun to do, right? But if we were to actually do this every day for the 40 days of Lent, reflect on, the prayer of examine encourages you to to rewind the last 24 hours of your life. And if you were to think about these three three to five things, five things, thought, word, deed, what you have done and left undone each day, there's going to be one to five things that you realize you have done or not done. I tried to engage with this yesterday, and as I did and I named a thought that I felt like, ugh, I don't like that thought. 
Moments later, I was doing a devotional, and it said right away, it talked about the impact that it has our own thoughts, not just on ourselves, if we can shift our, our thoughts for ourselves, but the impact it has on others. Taking the opportunity to think about how we have sinned actually can make us closer to the space where we can acknowledge that God is the King of Kings. Seems weird. But when we think we've done nothing wrong and we're perfect, who needs a king, right? Who needs someone who will forgive? It'll be powerful on Easter if we have shifted the way that we're thinking. The posture of repentance and the realization of how much we need a Savior daily can make our relationship with Christ sweeter and deeper. As we move from John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ through repentance, we move into Matthew 3:16 and 17 that says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, "This is my son, whom I love." With him I am well pleased. The next verse, Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Which leads us to the concept of fasting. This is why it's a part of Lent. The Lenten season is mirroring the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness that Jesus does. This is where the Christian church got the idea of fasting during Lent. This season is actually 46 days because we don't celebrate Lent on Sundays because those are like mini resurrection days, okay? So if you're doing something, you're allowed to take Sunday off. When I was a little Episcopal kid, I was like, yes. <laughs> it, was, it was really like terrible because whatever I had given up, heyday on Sundays. Um, <laughs> and Easter is not considered in the Lenten season. It starts the season of Easter. Since we're uh, aiming to mirror the passage of Scripture in Lent, for Lent, we can ask ourselves, what, what would be good for me to fast from for 40 days? There's two reasons we should think about this. We should engage with scripture like, like this. We need to remember it is not a sin to be tempted. Okay, you got that? It's not a sin to be tempted. The first temptation Satan was trying to get Jesus to use his powers for personal physical gain. Jesus felt hungry, it says in scripture. Therefore, we can assume Jesus felt the desire to eat in the moment Satan invited him to turn the stones into bread. Consume that. Feelings are not sinful, okay? They just simply are feelings. It's when we act on it that they become sin. Jesus did not sin, yet he even physically felt the desire to eat. Therefore, we need to think about the fact that our Savior, the God of the universe, understands what it's like to be tempted. He gets it. 
He understands that. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, and he will let you be, not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I like to see Lent this way, that we are journeying through Lent, and when we name what is sinful in our lives, he's also giving us a way out. So you can see all of Lent as a way of getting out of that sinful habit or um, thing that you keep gravitating to. He's giving us a way out. We can stand up to temptation. The second thing we see, uh, reason it's good for us to look at this passage of Scripture um, where he's being tempted, is that we have to understand why he's fasting in the wilderness. This is right before he goes into public ministry. So he's probably thinking about what he wants to do so that people know about God and himself. Okay, so he's thinking about this as he's 40 days in the wilderness. So we can think about this too. What is God calling you to someday? Or even at the end of the 46, 47 days? What is he calling you to? And you can engage with, what do I need to fast from so that I can be ready for what God's calling me to? The moment Jesus finishes fasting in the wilderness, Jesus began to preach... Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Then Jesus calls his disciples, and he starts healing the sick and preaching to the masses. Ooh, he had a lot to be thinking about. The devil started with Christ's core identity. Matthew 4, 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The tempter went after what was most core to who Jesus is, his identity as being God, being the son of God. This happened right after God God had just told him, this is my son whom I love, who I'm well pleased. I think Satan still uses this technique today. If you want to follow God, if you want to do something big for God, you know what he's going to go after? your core identity. You are a child of God whom God is well pleased. And every day, if you want to follow God, you're going to wake up and you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, I don't look like the child of God. People are going to tell you you don't measure up and you're not good enough and you can't do this and you can't possibly do what God's calling you to do. You're not a child of God. God has big things to do in and through you. But daily, that core identity is being challenged. You are his child. You are beloved. And in you, we have the opportunity to change the world with Jesus Christ. When our identity is is attacked in our lives, we are tempted to cave under the pressure. 
Jesus did not cave. He gave this clear answer in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, hear this, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He claimed the word of God. We too can claim the word of God. God does not measure things the same way the world does. Praise be to God. Jesus is preparing each one of us to do ministry. We can use these next 40 days to think about what that means. What do I need to fast from in order to be more ready to do what God's called me to do? I feel like I talk about this every year, and I've gotten sloppy again. My scrolling thumb is sucking up my time instead of being present to the living God. So I know that's something I need to get under control during this Lenten season. I wake up two hours early so that I can be present to God and and fully focused and ready for my day. And you know what happens? Anybody else relate to this? This is horrible. Did you know they created phones to be addictive? That is so mean. (laughs) Satan loves that. He loves to whisper in my ear, but you're a pastor. You need to be always available. Don't put your phone in airplane mode. What if somebody needs you? Right? (laughs) We need an interpreter. I sometimes get confused and think that my core identity is that I'm a pastor. Nope. My core identity is that I am a child of the living God. And that's what I need to be doing every morning. He doesn't have to go. Satan loves to twist how we see ourselves so that he can use it against us instead of for God's kingdom and God's glory. Each temptation that Jesus was battling during this time in the wilderness was was likely connected to the people that he loved, likely connected to how he was going to do ministry. So the devil tempted him to turn the, the stones into bread. He wasn't just tempting him physically in this moment. He was also tempting him to think about how he was long-term serving people. Well, if you give them materialistically what they want, they'll do better. If you meet their physical need, they'll want to worship you. Christ's response. Man does not live by bread alone. We all need to remember this. I, as a pastor, need to remember this. You do not live on whether or not a pastor calls you back. You should be living on the word of God. That's what should bring us life. I should call you back as well. So if I hadn't, let me know. Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3 in this moment, which leads me to the last piece. What do we need to add? What do you need to add during this Lenten season in order 
to draw closer to the heart of God and be ready for ministry. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Ta-da! Read your Bible. It will train you. So good. It also could be an opportunity where you start to memorize this scripture. The reason that Jesus was able to quote this is because as a child, he had memorized it, as all the Jewish boys did. They had the scriptures memorized. Whether you read or whether you memorize, make sure you're doing this. Stretching yourself a little bit, but not too far that you give up. Okay? Stretch, but not fall. (laughs) If you fall, get back up. Okay, find something that's right in that, that sweet spot. I, be, I talked about the U, uh, U-version app uh, on my phone, which is kind of breaking my rules. Technology, I get very distracted very easily, very quickly. But if you're a technology person and it works for you, the U-version has several 40-day um, devotionals that you could do. Really easy access for you to be able to do that wherever you are. In Matthew 4, once the devil heard Jesus quote scripture, then he decided, great idea, I'll do the same. So Satan says this. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, notice the double quotes here, he will command his angels, uh-oh, 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 Oh, yeah, okay. It, it skipped a page. I was afraid I lost two pages. I didn't. Okay. Concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The double quotes means Satan is quoting scripture. This scares me a little bit. The devil was using a direct quote from Psalm 91, 11, and 12, a passage of poetry using figurative language. Crafty, isn't he? It was not written to be taken literally. But he used it to twist the words. He loves to twist words. But thankfully, Jesus knew the scriptures far better and was able to say in verse 7, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. The word temptation in this passage from the Greek, actually means testing, not tempting. So it's just a better way to look at it, is he was being tested. Now, testing in school is to see if you what? You pass. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) If you know the information, right? It's to see if you're getting stronger over the course of a semester or a couple of weeks, right? So we could see Lent this way, that we're being tested so that we get stronger, so that we are getting to a place where we know more than we, than we did. We can take these 40 days to grow. Matthew, 8, Matthew 4, 8, and t- 8 through 10. The devil took him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Yee. 
Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus brings up two more things that we could add. Worship and service. Think about this next 40 days. How do you want to worship? Maybe, maybe you don't add any time and you just listen to worship music in your commute or when you're exercising or when you're doing something already, you're listening to worship music. Or maybe you make a commitment to come to church seven weeks in a row. Did you know the statistics show that people are, who are regular attenders are only coming once a month? That means we only see people 12 times a year. This should terrify us, right? If you came seven weeks in a row, a couple things will happen. Your kids will be more connected. You'll be more connected. And guess, not just to other people. You'll be more connected to the living God as we worship in community together. Whatever commitment you make, just think about it as moving from darkness into the light of Christ. God simply wants you to grow in him. It can be through prayer. It can be through worship. Matthew 26, 4 says, Watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. I've decided that over Lent I'm going to pray for baby Hayes while I make my breakfast. No extra time. But I'm confident it's going to shift who I am and how I am loving and caring for that family. And I'm asking for a miracle. We can add things to our lives to be present to the living God that take no more time. We can. If you want to serve here at NECC, you can write it down on the card and drop it on on the desk or somewhere, hand it to, to one of us. Maybe you're just supposed to start serving in a new and different way during this season. Maybe there's something or someone that you are feeling like you're supposed to be ministering to that you haven't yet. You got 40 days. Well, actually, I've given you like 50 days now. You have time to make a plan and get it figured out. Jesus had to tell his story about being in the wilderness because he was alone beside Satan. I'm pretty sure Satan wasn't like spreading this information around. He told this significant story about being present to God. Maybe you're supposed to share your story with someone. Ephesians 6.12 says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You have three days to come up with your game plan, to fight the good fight in the spiritual realms. Think about it. Process it. Don't get to Wednesday and say, oh, I wish. Oh, if only. It's an opportunity to be able to draw closer to the heart of God. Let's pray. Lord God, as we enter into communion this morning, may we be thinking about what you have done for us on the cross May we be shifted and transformed this morning in ways that we did not expect. May we know that your presence is real and we have the opportunity to draw close to you in these next 40 days. In your holy name we pray. Amen.